but this is Duca on the move for Montreal. Billy Duca, let's see what he does. A left foot shot, that's in! Billy Duca beat his man, and the Rutgers product makes it 1-0 Montreal. This is Off the Woodworks with Kevin Laramie, the longest-running podcast entirely dedicated to the Montreal Impact. It's wide open now, Malice, plenty of room. As Pachuca have five players lined up across the back. An opportunity! It's Good night, and welcome to another breaking news edition of Off to It Works. Yes, you heard right. Didier Drogba, according to ESPN. Uh, Chicago Fire have sold or transferred the rights to signing Didier Drogba to Montreal. And according to ESPN and many different sources, the impact that Didier Drogba have come to terms on an alleged 18 months contract different figures were rumored 3 million 4.5 million who knows what the actual figures really are and uh, the length 18 months do seems to uh, be legit as we say do seems to to make sense when you look at things it does look like the the, the value when come to town but the value on a totally different level Didier Drogba from Chelsea and Olympic Marseille fame from Ivory Coast from Abidjan the little boy from Abidjan, who was known as Tito back then, uh, became one of the biggest stars of the world of football. He And the news today, today's Sunday, uh, the news was heard around the world. Newspaper from around the world. Again, Montreal's been talked about, even if it's still not official, official, uh, with the amount of people uh, talking about it, the amount of all report, reporting about it, it would be the second addition to the club after Johan Venegas, uh, according to Fabian Borbon of Deportes Ripertal, and according to other different outlets as well in Costa Rica, La Nacional, as reported in La Presse. Uh, Johan Venegas will uh, be joining the Montreal Impact as well, so with the addition of Venegas and Didier Drogba, the Montreal Impact's attack... Their offense has totally changed. The potential of this offense have been duplicated, if not tripled, quadrupled, multiplied exponentially. Uh, with Drogba, a player that has a, a clutch performance to him. You just remember the 2012, uh, the Champions League run of Chelsea against Bayern Munich. He ties the game and then a penalty, his winning penalty. Oh, such a beautiful moment I can remember still. Yes, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I always wanted to see Didier Drogba in the Montreal Impact's uniform. I've said this on this show multiple times. If you go back to 50, 60 shows ago on Off the Woodworks, you would see that uh, I did talk about how I'd like Didier Drogba. There's been a, a collage, a, a picture, a fake picture or a montage that's been made many years ago that's been doing rounds on Facebook and social media of Drogba and the Impact jersey. <laughs> it looks so good. And apparently he thought so too, because uh, he is the one behind 
they're going to Montreal and eventually when the club when 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 a, when a guy like Drogba wants to come, you do whatever you can and whatever you need to bring Drogba to town. So uh, it just changes everything. He's gonna bring uh, to the club fans of Ivory Coast that are in the community here in Montreal, for sure. From Ivory Coast that are close by, even going probably from the north of the states, anywhere in three to four hour drives, that community will come to support Drogba. You'll get that. You'll get the fans of Marseille, who Drogba really bloomed and became a superstar with, will support the impact with Drogba in it. You'll have, obviously, the Chelsea fans, Chelsea supporters, the Blues, who will support one of their legends that is making the trip to MLS, just like his Chelsea counterpart, Frank Lampard in New York, or other great superstars that are making the trip this year, Avila, Lampard, Kaka, Pirlo. Now you can add Didier Drogba to the list. You can add Didier Drogba to Montreal. You are not dreaming. You are not hallucinating. You are hearing correctly, my friends. Didier Drogba, la 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 la. Didier Drogba, la 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 la. Didier Drogba, la la. You are not dreaming. Didier Drogba is going to be a great fit, in my opinion, in Montreal, the way he plays. And there's a, a great interview. We're going to listen to it later, about six minutes of it. We're going to listen to it later. It's more than six minutes, about 12 minutes. It was made by Rio Ferdinand a couple of weeks ago. Rio Ferdinand interviews the uh, Drogba. Where that's before the whole move to MLS and uh, thing was going on. He talks more about the Chelsea season, about his career, and about uh, the adjustment he made when he first came to England. And it's really telling how he had to adjust his play. It's going to be really important to see if he can duplicate that when he comes to Montreal and to Major League Soccer. Because he became more physical when he joined uh, the Premiership. He was more of, a, I was going to say Devio-like, just so people understand what I'm saying. But he was playing the offside line, trying to get behind defenders and scored that way with Marseille. And he became popular that way. Eventually, with Chelsea, it couldn't really be possible to play that way in England because of the different playing style, different uh, time you get on the ball, all those uh, type of intangibles that you get in England, more physical game. He played and thrived in that physical game because he's big, he's tall, he's physical, he's strong, he's fast, he's beautiful, he's strong, he's fast. Did I say he was strong and fast and beautiful? Yes, I did. All right. So the fact that he adjusted really quickly and superbly in England, and he explains the ins and outs of it in the interview that we will listen later, it gives me really great confidence and gives me great a lot of expectations, actually. Because I believe he's going to thrive in a league like MLS. I believe it's made for him. The way he plays. The way he moves off the ball. With the ball. The way he understands the game. And the way he knows how to adjust his game. During an actual match. To change the tactics of his game. To change his movement. During a catch. His adjustment to the opponent. During a game is remarkable. And that's why he's been known to be in clutch. Because... He knows what it takes at the right moment to maybe get that one goal. Even though you don't really get a chance to get that one chance at the right time, he scores off that. 
he's known for that. And that's one of the things Montreal's been needed. Off set pieces, off corners, in the box. He's a danger. He's really dangerous. He gets the ball anywhere close to the goal 20 yards in, out. He knows gonna what to do with it. He's going to find someone to do with it. And just imagine him now with Piazzi, with Venegas, with Romero, with Arduro, with his speed. Arduro and Drogba can be a very dangerous one too in any team in the world. And now with Montreal, it gives a totally different aspect to the team. Now, do you keep Piazzi in the midfield? I mean, in the middle of the midfield, do you put him left? Do you, a lot of things you could do. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that lineup changes in the next couple of weeks. We still don't have a clue when those two players, Venegas and Drogba, will show up. None at all. It's still so fresh. We don't have anything tangible yet to sink our teeth into as to a press conference, uh, date, or anything surrounding when they'll join the club. We still just have the unconfirmed but very many sources on both cases reliable been coming with the news so both deals are done in my opinion and on the opinions of many many journalists out there Venegas and Didi Drogba no really did it I'm telling you Didi Drogba and you know it's really fitting the last couple of days people in my entourage are not necessarily Soccer fans heard about the Didier Drogba rumors. And for people that don't know soccer, really, they knew who Drogba was. They're not Impact fans per se, but they might be interested now. They're actually going to listen to the news when they talk about the Impact instead of tuning it out or changing the channels. They might going to be interested now. And I think it's really going to be telling how the crowds react to it. And hopefully the stadium is going to be full for his debut, and for the rest of the season, and for next season, and for the one after. Hopefully he brings that legend status, but that memory creating, that souvenir, that Kodak moment. You remember that expression in the 90s? That Kodak moment? Well, Drogba, if he can come to Montreal and lift that trophy, which usually, outside of the Chinois and Galatasaray, even Galatasaray, he brought them into the Champions League maybe further than it should have been. But uh, the Shenhua situation in Shanghai was a debacle. Yes, I agree. But outside of that, he won trophies almost everywhere he went. He's usually the guy who scores the winning goal for that trophy. Champions League, Premier League, happens a lot. And in one game, tying goal and penalty winning goal for the Champions League in 2012 for Chelsea. He won the Premier League last year. What an acquisition. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will go through the biography, the history, the story of Didier Drogba. back here on Off The Woodworks Didier Drogba special if you just heard Didier Drogba is allegedly joining the Montreal Impact nothing is officially confirmed yet as we are recording this late Sunday night 
But according to Jeff Carlisle of ESPN, the deal with Chicago has done. Montreal's got the rights. And according to Jeff Carlisle, again, they have agreed to a contract. Noel Butler of TSN Radio, TSN Montreal 690, been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. And in the beginning, people were saying that he was crazy. But no, my friend, Nate, my mate, lad, he's a great, great guy to talk to. But he was right. He was right out along. And I wish more people were giving you credit for it. You knew about Drogba since the beginning. And you must be so happy. A fellow blue supporter. Very public about it. No. DDA is coming home. Our home this time. To hopefully give us a trophy. Give this city of Montreal a soccer trophy. That it's been deserving for a long time. A trophy. That would put... It would... No, it wouldn't change anything, it would, but it would give um, more arguments to the fans and to the supporters and to people. Just to, yes, it is an actual experience. It is amazing. It is the atmosphere at Zaputa when it's rocking. It's a, quite something to see and to experience anywhere on that in that stadium when the team wins. Remember that six to nothing victory? The stadium was rocking. The place was going nuts. What a night. What a night. And hopefully that's the kind of night that Didier Drogba is bringing. On top of bringing a bunch of new eyes to the product, a bunch of new eyes to the team. And that's another reason, that's another value that he brings to you. Didier Drogba. Let's talk about his story. Let's start with his childhood. This is taken from his own website, DidierDrogba.com. His biography, his story will start from childhood and we'll make our way through probably until present day. Born in Abidjan on March 11, 1978, Didier Drogba spent his childhood in his native Ivory Coast and he Adopted country, France. Tito, as he was known to friends and family, first left the country of his birth at the age of five. He headed to Brest in Brittany, where his uncle, Michel Goba, was a professional footballer. Didier's parents, who were bank workers in Abidjan, hated to see him go, but Michel convinced them that the move would give their son a real chance to success in life. For three seasons... Therefore, Didier traveled with his uncle from one club to another, as well as ensuring that Didier kept up with his schoolwork. Michel Guba also used to bring him back shirts by the dozens after matches, after three years spent far from home in Brest. Angoulême and then Dunkirk, Didier returned home at the age of eight. He returned to his parents' whom he had not seen for three long years. His homecomings also gave him a chance to see old friends in his Yupungun Siguti district of the city. 
Together, they would organize football matches as often as possible, turning car park into makeshift pitch. Three years passed, and then, in 1989, the country was hit by a serious economic crisis. His parents fell victim to his economic conditions, losing their jobs, and decided for the good of their son to send him back to France to continue his education under his uncle's wings. In the meantime, his uncle, after a spell at Besançon, had returned to Dunkirk, taking Didier back to northern France once again. It was there that he was to join his first football club. Initially, he played right back, a position that annoyed his uncle. What are you doing stuck back there? Get up front. In football, people only look at the strikers, said Michel Goba. The young Didier took heed and started playing center forward. Abeville, then Tourcoing, always moving on as his uncle clubs changed in 1991, aged 13. Tito returned to Brittany, moving to Vannes. This was also the year in which his parents chose to move to France, but Didier, by now a young adolescent, lost his way somewhat and from being at the top of class found himself having to repeat a year of school. His parents reacted immediately, banning him from football for a year and sending him to live with his cousin Kriza in Boulders. When he returned to live with the parents in 1993, his new home was in Antony, in the Old de Seine region of Paris, near Paris, where he moved in with his six brother and sisters. Didier was now age 15. He signed with Le Valois. And it was here, in the suburbs of Paris, that the young Didier Drogba slowly began to make a name for himself. Le Valois was his first team. It was a second division in France, and he didn't really get a lot of playing time. At Le Valois, Didier was immediately put under the charge of Srebengo Ripcic, a former Yugoslavian international who was a technical director of the club. Didier demonstrated his commitment from a very early stage. He didn't go out to nightclubs or go around the night or the town before matches like his mates. Remember Raptic? He was a very sensible lad. Talented, too. The young man from Abidjan soon made the pitches of the Paris area his own. He became the star of the under-17 team, coached by Christian Pornet. In two seasons, 1994-95 and 95-96, the young centre-forward notched up 30 goals. He won over the club's managers who, the following year, promoted him to the first team. This was coached by Jacques Lancard and played in the French 2nd Division. Digne continued his apprenticeship as a football. In particular, he had to learn patience and to respect the manager's decision. Even though he was the best in the team, according to Rapcic, he didn't have his manager's confidence and found himself warming the bench for much of the time. He spent only 10 minutes playing in the French 2nd Division, but even then managed to score against Fontainebleau. Despite his lack of time on the pitch, the young attacker attracted interest, with Guingamp, Le Mans, Lens, and even Paris Saint-Germain following his performances very closely. At 19, he finally burst onto the scene. 
but it was also this time that he suffered his first serious injury. He fractured his foot during a match against Kang, tripping on a sprinkler head and ending up in plaster. Um, yeah, This mishap was not enough to throw Le Mans off the scent, however. On the recommendations of Jacques Lancard, Mark Worsterhop, then coach of Le Mans, decided to take Drogba as an apprentice. So Didier packed his bags and moved to France's Sartre region. He was 19 years old and had finally became a professional footballer. Now with Le Mans, uh, a very big stepping stone in his career. Still not the big star that we would know right now. But growing as a professional and as a man. The least one can say is that Didier saw some highs, but mostly lows during his early days at Lama. Luck was hardly on his side. During his two years as an apprentice, Tito was to break two metatarsal, a fibula, and an ankle. He seemed to be dogged by bad luck. And yet, this was also the time at which Isaac, the first of his two children, was born. This was a turning point in my life, straightening me out, he says. Despite multiple injuries under Mark Westerhop and his deputy, Alan Pascalou, did he learn how to be a professional footballer. His first full professional contract at 21. In the second year of his apprenticeship, he managed two first-team appearances in the second division. Then in 1999, at the age of 21, he signed his first professional contract. The boy from Abidjan, who had first landed in France at Charles de Gaulle Airport 16 years earlier, had finally attained his goal. At least, he would be able to live his passion. His childhood dream was becoming reality. His first season was more than respectable. Le Mans' new striker found the net seven times in 30 matches in the championnat. Unfortunately for the new professional, his time with Le Mans was not to end as well as it had begun. Competition with his cousin, the team with Daniel Cousin, sorry, the team's performances in 2001-2002 season did not live up to Le Mans' board's expectation. Mark Worsahop, who had signed the young player, was replaced by Thierry Goudet. Daniel Cousin took advantage of Drogba's preseason injury to establish himself in the Le Mans attack and gain the confidence of the new coach. When Didier did play, it was no longer in the center, but on the wings. He had a poor season, not scoring at all in 11 championnat matches. The following season, he bounced back, notching up 5 goals in 21 matches. Guéguin, where Didier had a trial in 1998, renewed their interest in the player, looking for a striker following Flores' departure to PSG and Guivard's injury, the team's manager turned to young African in the transfer window in January 2002. Didier left Le Mans to experience League One competition for the first time at the age of 24. So, with Le Mans in League One this time, now with Genga. Genga, who actually played a game in Montreal a couple of years ago in the Trophée des Champions. Uh, same game that's coming to uh, Montreal August 1st between Lyon and PSG. That game a couple of years ago was, uh, if I'm mistaken, was uh, Montpellier versus Genga. So uh, Genga, if I'm, I might be mistaken, but it was Genga for sure, it was in Montreal. So Drogba arrived in Brittany in Genga during the 01-02 season. 
in the Gengar team fighting to stay in the top flight, he got off to a very promising start. From the moment he arrived, manager Guy Lacombe, who had insisted that his chairman, Mr. Legray, by Drogba, wanted to give him every chance and named him in the starting lineup for a vital trip to Metz. So it was at the Saint-Symphorien Stadium that he gave first ran out into a League One pitch. It was to make an immediate impact, scoring once and playing a vital role in Gagan's first away win of the season. The boy from Abidjan was already seen as a savior in Gagan's Côte d'Armor region. However, the rest of the season was not to be quite such a fairy tale. Gengar managed to avoid relegation, but Didier did not play much. The flamboyant start contrasted with subsequent matches. He finished the year with 11 appearances and 3 goals in the championnat. Although the club has attained its goal, Tito was not happy with his performances and the coaching staff lacked confidence in him. Despite this, he wanted to stay in Brittany and prove to the manager that he was worthy of a place in League One football. This strength of character was rewarded. He exploited onto the scene from the very first match of the next season. In the championnat curtain raiser, Didier started on the bench against Lyon. With Gega training the reigning champion 3-1, Guy Lacombe decided to bring him on with 20 minutes left to play. Gega managed to pull back the deficit, scoring twice in the dying seconds. Drogba got the equalizing goal and Gega Zodou Stadium exploded with joy. This time, nothing was going to stop Didier's career really taking off. Gega ended the season 7th in the championnat, its best ever position, and Didier, who hit 17 goals in 34 matches in League 1, was attracting attention. The siren call of mighty Olympique de Marseille attracted him. Having been signed by Diego for 150,000 euros in January 2002, Didier cost Marseille 6 million euros in July 2003. In just 18 months, he had gone from being a substitute in League 2 to the center forward of one of France's most famous clubs. Didier left Brittany for the club of his dreams in Marseille. His Upward path continues. Olympique de Marseille, one of the most successful clubs in France's history. A club of the 80s in France. It, it was a, a sight to see when you had a chance to be at the Velodrome, especially the old one, for a game of Olympique Marseille. Didier Drogba arrived in Marseille in the summer of 2003. Here he found an environment quite different to any he had known in the past. In the Mediterranean city, he was to discover a place that talked only football. People who breathed Olympique de Marseille. In 2003, Marseille, who had fallen somewhat from their past glories, were showing renewed ambition. The whole city was on tender hooks, waiting for the club's involvement in the prestigious Champions League. This was the deal, ideal environment for Didier to succeed in a club which, despite its recent struggles, remained one of Europe's finest. However the team was to have a tougher season than expected. Springing from high to low, it never found the consistency that it is the hallmark of the very best teams. Alain Perrin, who signed Didier from Guégan, paid a heavy price for his disappointing record. He was sacked and replaced by José Hanigo. Didier was unperturbed. 
he was to succeed throughout the season. OM's new number 11 turned in one outstanding performance after another, and in goal after goal. So impressive was he that he barely, that he, that with barely a third of the season game, there was already talk of the team developing Drogba dependence. In the Shapiana, Drogba left defenses dizzy. His outstanding technical skills were given full reign. He also exploded onto the media scene. Within a few months, he had become Marseille's star player. The talk in the street was all about him. He finished the year with 19 goals in 35 League One matches. The whole of France had fallen under the spell of the young striker, who would celebrate each goal with a few improvised dance moves drawn from the Ivory Coast. His impact went well beyond France and was left throughout Europe. In the Champions League, Didier proved himself just as effective as he was in domestic competition. Although Marseille were knocked out in the group stage of the competition, Didier could boast five of their nine goals. Marseille qualified for a place in the UEFA Cup, where their new striker took them on a sparkling run through to the final against Valencia in Gothenburg. Didier added a further six goals in this competition, taking his tally to 11 in Europe. No wonder he was talked about throughout the continent. Scoring in both legs of the round of 16 against Liverpool, he inspired Marseille to record the biggest upset of the round and knock out the Reds. In the quarters finals against Intermina, he scored the only goal in Marseille's home leg, enabling them to be more confident going to the away match. In the semi-final match against Newcastle, Marseille had their host to a scoreless draw in the first leg before Didier Drogba taking the club's motto droit au but straight to the goal to heart, notched up both his team's goal and whipped the whole city into a frenzy. Didier had taken OM to a European Cup final. Newcastle was the second English club eliminated by OM, with Drogba the main architect of both victories. Although the final turned out to be a series of unfortunate events for OM, Didier's performances spearheading the Marseille attack had not gone unnoticed. The most persistent interest in the rising star came from Chelsea and its billionaire Russian owner Roman Abramovich. The newfound wealth of the West London club allowed it to recruit star players from around the globe and it offered 24 million euro to sign Didier Drogba on a three-year contract. Didier, who had hoped to carve out a career at Marseille, like Maldini at Milan, was torn. But OM could hardly refuse such a huge check from the English club for their new star Drogba, left Marseille with a heavy heart. Disappointed not to be able to continue his role in the club's renaissance. Marseille was a magical place, he was to reflect. Later. But he also knew that Chelsea would open up new opportunities for him in particular. He felt sure that with his new club, he would be able to add to a trophy cabinet, which, for all his success on the pitch, remained empty. And that, at the age of 26, he would be becoming the center forward of one of the biggest clubs in the world. Didier Drogba's year at Marseille was an important stage in his career and was the one that was to launch him as an international star. So Chelsea bought them.
And after they bought him, they played him. And he became an even bigger star. Yes, he did. In the summer of 2004, Drogba crossed the channel ready to discover the Premier League. As the major new signing at Chelsea, he knew that he would quickly have to live up to expectations. The transfer fee of 24 million was astronomical, far higher, for example, than the amounts paid for David Beckham's or Ronaldinho. The former hero of the Velodrome had moved up to join the ranks of megastar players, joining Chelsea to play in a galaxy of international stars. Didier had a simple focus. I want to win the Premiership and the Champions League. Still on course to win the two trophies that he targeted in this his first year with his new club, Didier had already picked up a winner's medal thanks to Chelsea's victory over Liverpool in the League Cup. Drogs played a full part in the win, scoring one of Chelsea's three goals. The first silverware is safely in his trophy cabinet and there is every indication that more will be added soon. At the end of his season where he gained the respect of his teammates and also the respect of the fans, Didier successfully passed the Premier League test. The Ivory Coast striker scored several tremendous goals, like his brace at the Parc des Princes, including a stunning free kick in the Champions League group, st- group phase. He also scored two goals in the quarterfinal clash against Bayern Munich, and despite being eliminated by Liverpool in the semifinals, Chelsea achieved a huge season, winning, for the first time in 50 years, the Premier League title. It's a dream come true for Didier, who scored 10 goals in the league and admitted that he felt lots of emotion. His second season in London is also a success. The team was off to a flying start with another great performance for Didier during the Community Shield, where he scored both Chelsea goals against Arsenal, 2-1. The Blues will stay on top of the table all year long, with Didier netting a total of 16 goals in all competitions. He even became the best passer in the Premiership with 11 assists. And even if the FC Barcelona put an end to their European dream, the Ivory Coast striker and his teammate managed to keep their Premier League title. The 2006-07 season had indisputably the year of greatness for Didier. Didier received the Golden Boot Award after scoring 20 goals in the Premiership, but also 5 in the Champions League, 3 in the FA Cup and 4 in the Carling Cup, netting both Chelsea goals in the Carling Cup final against Arsenal before sealing the Blues' victory during the FA Cup final against Manchester United. He also became the first Ivory Coast player to win the African Football of the Year. I'm immensely proud to have been rewarded by the entire African continent. I can't describe how happy I am, he, dis- he declared. He was also appointed United Nations Development Program Goodwill Ambassador for Rolling Back Hunger, Disease, Illiteracy, Environmental Degradation, and Discrimination Against Women, which was very important to him. I'll never forget where I come from, Didi explained. I was given a chance to succeed in life, but I always think about those who did not get that chance. We all have to work together if we want to combat poverty.
the 07-08 season could undeniably be seen as a disappointment. After undergoing knee surgery in December, Didier would only play 17 Premier League games this season, but he would be back to play the Champions League last 16, a competition where the Blues finally beat Liverpool. The Ivorian striker even scored a brace during the semi-finals against the Scousers and celebrated with style. The Battle of Moscow, the Champions League final between Man U and Chelsea, left a better taste in the mouth of the Blues because they were so close to claiming the trophy for the first time of the club's history. They eventually lost on penalties, but Didier didn't take part in the, sec- in the shootout because he was dismissed a few seconds earlier. Once this huge disappointment was overcome, yes, he got a red card in the Champions League final in 06. Remember this when it comes to 2012 people. After two years without silverware. Okay, once this huge disappointment was overcome, the elephant's captain had to rest during three months to recover from his knee injury. After two years without silverware, the Blues claimed their fifth FA Cup, their first since 07, and Didier showed once again that he feels at home in the new Wembley. After scoring in his first four games played at the London Stadium, Didier did it again, netting the winning goal in the semi-final against Arsenal before opening the score in the final against Everton. Once again, Chelsea finished on the podium, but they didn't deserve to suffer a Champions League exit in the semi-final to future winners FC Barcelona. It was very close, said Didier. We showed some quality and caused them many problems. The prestigious European Cup is still the Blues' ultimate goal. And their new coach, Carlo Ancelotti, a two-time Champions League winner, knows everything about it. However, in the 2009-2010 season, the Blues left the European competition in the second round, once again against the eventual winner, Inter Milan. But on the domestic level, Carlo Ancelotti's men achieved an outstanding year, starting with a success in the Community Shield against Man U, 4-1 4-1 in the PKs, 2-2, uh, 2-2 and 4-1 in the PKs. And the Blues went on to compete and to complete the double for the first time in their history, defending their cup against Portsmouth with Didier's 37th goal of the season, who also scored 29 of the club's record 103 goals as they won the championship. And he celebrated this third Premier League title with Chelsea with the capture of the Golden Boot for the second time in his career after a hat-trick against Wigan at Stamford Bridge, which uh, finished 8-0, by the way. But the next year will be frustrating for the Abidjan native, even if he finished with, with 13 goals and 17 assists, eventually losing the Premier League and the Champions League quarterfinals to Man U. The West Londoners did not win a trophy for the second time in seven years. But it will not last long because... The 2011-2012 season ended Didier's Chelsea's career the way he dreamed of in the FA Cup. He scored the winning goal, his 8th in 8 matches at Wembley, in the final against Liverpool a few weeks after his 100th goal in the English Premier League against Stoke. But in Europe, it was even greater. After being instrumental against Napoli, he was the only scorer in the first leg of the semi-final against Barcelona. And in the final against Bayern Munich, 1-1, he scored the equalizer for three on PKs, he scored it. He leveled it with a header and delivered the first 
title in the Premier League. First Champions League to Chelsea after scoring the decisive penalty in the shootout. With the long-desired trophy and his other titles in the Premier League, three Premier League, four FA Cup, two League Cup, Didier could leave on a high note. After eight years, 341 matches, 157 goals. A club he will never forget. And yes, all right, after this time, after 2012, he did try the China uh, experiment for a little while with uh, Shenhua Shanghai. Didn't last long, about six months. Got Desiree for a little bit. Came back to Chelsea. And now, he's joining Montreal. All right, you heard enough of me talking. Let's hear Drogba talking. Let's hear Didier Drogba talking to Rio Ferdinand, an interview that was done a couple of weeks ago by Beanie Man Sports in the UK. So we thanks Beanie Man for the audio. And you can listen to a Drogba interviewed by Rio Ferdinand and take a close listen to his comments about how he adapted to the English type of play because I think it's going to be needed that transition for Major League Soccer type of play. So uh, listen closely. Thanks for listening to Off The Woodworks. Welcome DDA to the city. And until next time, have a great soccer. So DDA, 2012, Bayern Munich, 88th minute, goal, DDA Drogba. Winning penalty, DDA Drogba. Four FA Cup finals, goals, DDA Drogba. Winning medals on Didier Drogba's neck. The ultimate big game player. How do you receive this? I think since I'm, uh, I was a kid, uh, I always dreamt of final, last goal, or winning goal. You know, in Ivory Coast, I was playing with my friends in the street. You know, we used to, to cut a plastic bottle and put some candies inside as the, the, the cup final. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And we would play like this and, and try to score the last, the winning goal because you know you're going to share after your friends. And I think I just love being in front of people. And I think for me, football is, is, a, is a game, competitive game, but it's also a way to entertain people. And when I'm there, I want people to have fun. If, when I go to the stadium and watch the, the games, I want to have fun. So... I try to give them fun by scoring goals in, in, in big games and after it becomes like a good habit. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to score more goals in more finals and, and have an impact on, on the game. So just talking about some individual battles over the years, obviously we played against each other quite a lot over the years, tough games. Um, who's been your, uh, some of your, your most enjoyable and toughest battles you've played, played against? I've always said... Um, you and Vidic. Uh, people say that I scored a few goals against Manu. I would say when I was scoring against Manu, I was really, really happy because I didn't score much. So for you, for me to, to, to score against you guys means that I had a good game. <laughs> <laughs> so you two and Carlos Puyol because he's tough. He's a very good defender, but he's a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're... So you prefer to play against the guys you could bully or, or the guys you could kind of... You, did you feel fear sometimes? Because you're a big guy and everybody knew about you being strong, liked contact. Did you like feel sometimes in the tunnel even 
I'm going to play against this guy. He looks scared. I can feel the fear. No, but the, the, the thing is I had to adapt to this game. But this, this wasn't my game when I was in France. You know, I was always um, at the limit of the outside, of the offside and, and running behind. Running behind. And when I came to Chelsea, I, uh, I became like a, a target man, you know, linking the, the, the game with, with Frank, with Arian Robben. So I had to change my game to adapt to them. Because they, not only that they could dribble, but they, they could also score goals. So when I came at the beginning, I was thinking, I'm going to be the one, I'm the king, I'm going to score the goals. But uh, you realize that you got people around you can make the difference, so you have to share. So I learned also how to, to change my game. Who's the best player you've played with? Um, for me, I respect and I, I think Frank Lampard because he's a hard worker, you know, and he didn't get there like this. He had to work hard, you know, and, and he's clever. He's clever. And, and for me, a football player is not only the one who kicks the ball, but it's the one who, who's smart. It's good, I think, when a lot of people ask me and they say about, and I say, oh, Frank, I mentioned Frank, yeah. and people say, ah, he's maybe not as good to watch if you're wanting to see skills yeah. and wanting to see Rasmataz and big drama, mm -hmm. but he's efficient. No, he's efficient. He's efficient. And for me, I improved, you know, being, being next to him because every day after training, me and him in front of the goal, working on the finishing. How do I want the ball? I want, I want to receive the ball or not? And, and most is, is in most of my goals. Well, you've done it to me once. You killed my, my dreams. You killed my summer. So, uh, was, it, was it Wembley, the first game at Wembley? Yeah. In the last dying minutes of the game. When you, extra time. Extra time, yeah. And my legs was hanging off. Everyone was tired. Everyone was tired. I, I told Mourinho at, at that game that I'm dead, I can't run. And he said to me, just stay in the box, edge of the box, and you will have one chance. You know, so you have people like this who give you the confidence. Sometimes, this is what I'm saying, the top players still need reassuring sometimes, yeah, don't yeah, they? Need, that need. little push from the manager, exactly. the reassurance. Exactly. Is that Mourinho one of his great traits? Mourinho is great at this, yeah, really. Maybe he's not playing great, he's losing some balls, but he just needs one good ball in the space or one good pass and, and, and he will score. So when you hear this, you feel like, wow, they believe in me, the manager believes in me, so I'm going to show you that I can do it. So, so what is next for you, Didier Jogba? Achieved so many great things in your career, won so many medals. What is next for you? What do you have to prove? Uh, I, don't, I don't want to be arrogant, but I feel that I don't have nothing to prove. I, I have a lot to give, you know, and, and some experience to share with, with the young players like, like Eden, like William, like Oscar and all these boys. And um, yes, so I'm here, I'm trying to help them. And uh, what is next? I think as a player, I did a lot. I achieved a lot, more than what I expected uh, uh, when I decided to make football my, my profession. And as a man, I just want to, to be accomplished, you know, to, to, to focus on my foundation, uh, save lives, you know, uh, this is something really important to me. So it's the, the next challenge.
Does that go back to your childhood? Because I've always seen you doing a lot of charitable work, uh, not just in your own country, but around the world. And um, it seems like you've got a genuine passion for it. Does that come back from the way you was brought up? Yeah, I think because I think that we, as a family, uh, my dad was the, the, the first of the family, so he was the one who had to take care of all his sisters and, and, and brothers. And uh, we, as kids, we lived together in, uh, in, a, in, a small, in a small place, so we had to share. You know, we had this thing where you have to share, you cannot eat alone. Like, it's, it's really bad, you know, you always have to share. So this is something I think that, that I still have, and, and which is very important for me. Didia, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate thank you. your time. Thank you.